Father, we thank you um, for Christ. We thank you for what these songs talked about, that we have victory because of you. We thank you that, um, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And there's nothing that we could do to deserve that. And there's no right that we have to it, but yet you loved us enough because you are love to send Christ to redeem us who were your enemies. Lord, I pray this morning as we look at your words, specifically your words that Christ spoke, that you would help us to, to understand them uh, maybe in a, in a deeper way than we did before. If you would help us to be reminded of the things that we do know and that you would help us to walk away this morning closer to you because of it. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever waited for something um, for what seemed like a very long time? Maybe in school you waited for Christmas break or, or summer vacation, something that you knew was just going to be um, a blast or something that you just really wanted to happen. Uh, Blake's up here going, yeah, summer. <laughs> and uh, you know, every every school kid goes through that. Maybe uh, maybe as an adult, you're just you know waiting for vacation, <laughs> um, something maybe a reprieve in your work. Um, we've got several ladies in here that are ready to be done with some pregnancies. I think um, so. There, I think everybody in here has probably experienced in some way um, this desire to to get it over with. Right, You're, you want to just kind of move, let's get to the good part, right? Uh, if you're standing in line in an amusement park, I don't want to be here for two hours, right? I just want to get to the good part. Um, and, and as we've gone through these passages, we've been going through a lot of dialogue. Um, just, just look down, if you've got a red letter edition, you know, there's a lot of red <laughs> in, in the last few chapters that we've been going through. We've been reading a lot of dialogue and going through a lot of dialogue, and we've got even a little bit more in chapter 17 um, with Christ's high priestly prayer. And, and if we're not careful, you know, it's easy to say, hurry up, guys. <laughs> Let's get to the good part, because we know what's coming, right? I mean, we just sang about it. Um, in different songs. We know what's coming. We know that Christ is going to be betrayed. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to pay the price for our sins. He's going to raise it again in victory over death. And, and you know, some of this other stuff can get a little tedious. You know, it can be, it can be a, a little monotonous, especially when Christ tends to kind of keep repeating himself um, over and over again in some of these passages and the things that he's saying. But I want to encourage you this morning, just like when you were in school or just like when you're at work, don't overlook the things that we need to do now. As we go through these scriptures, don't overlook what Jesus is saying and, and just, you know, kind of ignore it or just, you know, sit there and sleep or <laughs> whatever it is, you know, that gets you through this period until we get to the good part. Because this is the word of God, and it's all good part. All right, these are the words of Christ. These are not just John's words. This is not just John's narration of things that happen. These are Jesus' own words that he's speaking. I mean, of all the words in Scripture, what would be the most important? Those that came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. And so we look at these words, and we need to dig into them and understand them and not just gloss over them 
and make sure that we're digging in. So we're going to finish up chapter 16 this morning. And chapter 17 is going to take two weeks. I'm just going to tell you right now. But you don't have to blame me. It's Eric. He's preaching those. All right. So John chapter 16, don't get, don't get lost in the minutia of it, but don't gloss over it either. Um, pay attention, dig in, and, uh, and we'll get to the, the other good part later. John chapter 16, we're going to read through the whole rest of the chapter, and then I'm going to go back through and, uh, and just kind of walk through it. Starting in verse 16, <clears throat> Jesus says, a little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. Sorry. This thing seems loud. Here we go. <clears throat> verse 17, so some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because, and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he, asked, so he said to them, is this what you were asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow would turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has a sorrow because of her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Verse 25, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say, that, say to you that I will ask of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and, I have, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I told you last week that as we go through this passage, I see four different promises that Christ gives to the eleven as he's speaking to them here. Um, in, his, in his final words before he is going to be betrayed, um, in the book of John anyway. The final, the final things that John has recorded of Christ trying to communicate to these men before he goes to the cross. These important words that he wants them to understand, and, and I see four promises, and last week we looked at the first promise. Anybody remember what that was? The promise of persecution, Right? Promise of persecution. Remember, this time, there's no alliteration, so you don't have to think of a P. All right? The promise of persecution, he said, 
they are going to hunt you down and they're going to kill you. And we actually looked at that in the book of Acts as a fulfillment of that promise that God made to them, that Jesus made to them, that they would suffer persecution, that not only would they be kicked out of the synagogue, kicked out of their uh, society, basically, for lack of a better word, that everything that they knew they would be removed from, they would be ostracized. But further than that, they would seek out and they would kill them and they would do it all thinking they were doing God a favor. And he says, so you're going to suffer persecution. There's, there's a, that's the promise. And then the second promise, anybody remember what the second promise was? Yes, this is a promise that he's made a couple of times in this, in this dialogue, right? He says, but I am going to send the helper. And the helper was sent really for two overarching reasons that Christ gives. Does anybody remember the first one? I'm testing you. <coughs> he said that the Holy Spirit was going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right? So the first purpose of the Holy Spirit in this passage is that he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Of righteousness because Jesus, the perfect righteous one, would no longer be there as the example to show them what righteousness is. And then thirdly, of judgment because when all this is said and done, and even before that, <laughs> Satan's fate is sealed. The ruler of this world is judged. And all those who follow after him will be judged as well. And so the Holy Spirit was going to, is going to come in this perspective and, and perform that action, perform that activity, that role. But he, he said there's another purpose for the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember what that one was? Yeah, he was going to teach them all things because here Jesus is, he keeps talking about it. There's more. There's more that I want to tell you. There's more that you need to understand, but I'm going away to the Father. And so the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you all things that the Father has for you. And so the Holy Spirit not only was there to convict the world of sin, but he was there to teach those who are believers in Christ. He, for us today, he does that through the word of God. He taught those men who couldn't remember what Jesus was talking about five minutes ago half the time uh, or couldn't even understand it. He made it clear to them and to the point where they were out there preaching when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They remembered the words of Christ. They preached the words of Christ. We have these uh, books of the Bible that declare passages of things that Christ said. And so that was the work of the Holy Spirit. And he does that even for us today. He teaches us through the words of Christ and through the Bible. He illuminates that for our understanding. And so we have two promises so far. And, and if you look through, if you read through the rest of this passage, um, the two promises that I, that I pulled out are not, um, they're not really hidden. <laughs> just like the first two. They're not really hidden. It's not, it's not like I'm just, you know, digging in and finding some obscure word and going like, aha, there's the promise right there. It's, it's pretty obvious. Um, I think most of you in here could probably read through. We, we read through the passage. You might be able to, to pick it out. But, but don't sit there and be like, okay, I got this one figured out. It's, uh, it's joy and peace. Boom. Nailed it. I'm done. And tune out. <laughs> All right? It, it, that's what it is, by the way. It's joy and peace. All right? 
So don't tune out though. But even though that sounds very simple, I think it's interesting as you dig into what Jesus is saying, you, you understand the why behind the joy and the peace or the how behind the joy and the peace. How does it happen? Where do we get it from? Why do we need it? And, you know, because it's easy to just, you know, sit here and mentally be like, okay, we've got, the, we've got the promise of persecution. We've got the promise of the Holy Spirit, promise of joy, promise of peace. Boom, here we go. All right, he's done early. <laughs> but I want you to really pay attention to what Jesus is saying, because as we dig into this, I think it's really interesting. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's something that it, it's one of those things that you know is true. But when you start digging into Scripture and understanding and, and even reading the words of Christ and understanding what he's saying, because I don't know about you, but have you ever were, read some of the words of Christ and you're just like nodding your head like, okay, I think I, I, think I get that. <laughs> you know, like, like these, these whole thing about, you know, ask the Father in my name and the Father and, and you don't have to ask anything to me, and, and, and it just, it's kind of, it can be a little confusing sometimes. And I think what, we've, what we do wrong a lot of times is we just gloss over it. You know, we read something in Scripture that, that is like, yeah, I think I kind of get it, and we just gloss over it, and we don't dig into it. But when you dig into what Jesus is saying, it really is um, a great truth. And so where this joy and where this peace comes from is what I want to look at this morning. Even though those are the promises that he gives, um, I think it's, it's important for us to dig into it. So Jesus is, is speaking here to the disciples. And, <clears throat> excuse me. He, he does give this promise of joy. You know, obviously he's been talking about persecution. He's been talking about tribulation. He's been talking about uh, the struggles that they're going to go through. He's, talk, told, he's told them that they'll have the Holy Spirit that will help them through it. Um, but he gets to this, to this passage here in verse 16. And, uh, and he says something similar to what he has said in the past. Um, I do think it's interesting to note that he says that I'm going away um, and you will see me no longer, but in a little while you'll see me. Uh, and, and they didn't quite get that. And, and it's interesting that he didn't say in this passage, I'm going to the Father. In fact, a lot of commentators think that this passage, this verse specifically was not meant for the fact that he was going to the Father. Because what was he about to do? Go to the cross, right? He was about to go to the cross. And there, would, there was a time where they would not see him. How long was that? Three days. Three days. All right. And then what happened after that? They saw him again, right? So it's possible, and some commentators think that this is actually referring to that brief period of time um, when Jesus is, is dead and buried. And because he says, you'll see me again. But if that is the case, or if it's not the case, it's still the case, the, the, the saying that he says is true. Because even if he did mean going to the Father, which they kind of tacked on to the end, if you notice that. He said, what does he mean about this? He's, you know, he's, we're going to see him, then we're not going to see him, then we are going to see him. And then they, they kind of tack on, and he's going to the Father. You know, so they're kind of putting all these things together as well. But even if, that, even if he's, he is talking about going to the Father, what he's saying is still true. 
one day we will see him again. And what he's saying about what's going to happen in that meantime is true as well. Look at what he says. Uh, they're, they, they, they're trying to figure out what in the world he's saying. Um, so in verse 18, he's, he kind of takes the initiative there and says, I know you guys want to ask me something. You know, is this what you want to know? And he says in verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And just think about what is about to happen. Obviously, yeah, you know, they'll weep and lament maybe because of the trials and the tribulations and the things that they go through. But even greater to them at this moment is the fact that he's going to die on the cross. And there will be weeping and lamenting of the disciples when he goes to the cross. And what are all the people around the cross going to be doing? Yeah, they're going to be jeering and mocking and, and yucking it up and having a good time and laughing at him. You know, they're, going to, they're definitely going to have joy <laughs> or be joyful uh, in the fact that Jesus is on the cross. He says, there's going to be a time here where you will be lamenting, you will be weeping, but the world will be rejoicing. But then he says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Now, was that the case when he rose? Sure. I mean, just look at the way, look at the way Peter and John acted when they found out that he's, he was risen. Were they like, okay? Yeah. No, what'd they do? They ran. They ran to the tomb. They're like, Really? Is it true? Could it possibly be true? You know, and, uh, and then they were able to spend some more time with him after he had, he had risen. There was joy there because he was back. Of course, he was going to go away again, <laughs> which he's been telling them about this whole time. He's been preparing them for this whole time, but there was joy. And if you read Revelation, you know there's going to be joy in heaven when we see him again as well. We will be casting our crowns at his feet we will be singing, worthy is the Lamb. We will be praising Him. Glory and honor and power to Him who sits on the throne. We will be a part of that wondrous chorus that is just glorifying and praising God. And it will be joyful. And he says, the sorrow that you have will turn to joy. But it's interesting because he uses a, an illustration here. He uses an illustration that I think there are many of us who are familiar with. He uses the illustration of a mother who is giving birth. <clears throat> and as I thought about this, you know, I, I was there for all four of our children's births. Um, I think maybe the old tradition of the guy not being there might still be a good idea. Um, that was both uh, wondrous and terrifying at the same time um, to watch that. But in fact, um, be a little candid here. When, when my first child was born, when Ethan was born, um, you know, I was there. You know, they had me cut the cord and everything. And I'm, and, I, and, I, and I'm all good until all of a sudden, I don't know if maybe I just had my legs locked the whole time, you know, because it's a very stressful time for me, you know, <laughs> going through that. And, uh, and, and I, I literally, I don't know if my mom remembers this because she was there. But I, I, lit, I almost fainted. I, was, I, I had to sit down when everything was done. 
<laughs> and, and the, you know, the doctor's sitting there trying to talk to me and I'm just like, I'm just in this haze, you know. So, so I don't remember the first one quite as well as maybe the rest of them. Um, I made it through the others much better. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember, you know, Jesus gives this illustration of, of this woman who is laboring um, in childbirth. You know, and I mentioned we've got a couple who are about ready to go there themselves. And, uh, and I'm sure they're, they're looking forward to it and not looking forward to it at the same time because it's a very painful, it's a very hard, there's a reason why it's called labor, right? There's a reason why it's called labor because it is laborious. It is hard work. It is painful. It takes lots of time usually. You know, some women, man, they can just in and out in 30 minutes. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard, it's rough. And, and, you know, and I don't know about you, about you ladies, but my wife, she doesn't like pictures, you know, right after she's given birth because she's all sweaty and, you know, just, it's just not a good time. But all that pain and that struggle and the teeth gritting and the hand crunching and, you know, everything that goes on as part of that, as part of that birth process when it's over, what happens? It's almost like it never happened. Is it not? If you, if you Guys, if you've ever seen your wives give birth and you've ever seen this happen, there's this, there's this moment when the baby is born, and sometimes maybe not until it cries, but, but when the baby is born and everything is over and they bring that baby and they give it to the mom, and it's like everything is just perfect. It's like nothing, nothing, that, that last 37 hours didn't happen, you know? That's, that's what it's like. It's just instant because a life has been brought into the world. It's a magnificent process. And, and all this work and all this labor and all this toil has finally produced this life. And, and you look at that and you, and you wonder, why is Jesus using this illustration of a woman giving birth. And I think that understanding of this new life is the key. Because what is Jesus about to do? He's about to go to the cross. To do what? To give us new life. This process that he's talking about that the disciples are going to experience, that they're going to go through, they're going to be kind of like that dad, standing there helpless, you know, not really being able to do anything um, while his wife is giving birth to this, to this new baby, to this new life. And they're, they're in many ways going to be kind of in the same boat. They're standing there helpless if they're even there watching it. They may still just be hiding at home, some of them. We know John was there. But they're going to be there experiencing what Jesus is going to go through in his death and his, and his beatings and, and the, the crown of thorns and the separation from God and the darkness and the veil being torn. They're going to, the earthquake, everything. They're going to experience all that. They're going to see the toil and the labor and the sorrow. They're going to experience the world yelling at Jesus and mocking him. They're going to experience him dying and being gone. And the emptiness that comes with that, the uncertainty that comes with that, as now the one that they've been with for three years 
is not even alive. And then he's going to rise again. But what he's telling them is not just is he going to have victory over death, but he is bringing with him new life. And I think when you understand that illustration, it helps us understand what he's saying here about the rest of this um, conversation with, uh, with the disciples regarding prayer. Verse 22 says, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. He says, I'm going to see you again. And the joy that you have at that time, no one can take that joy from you. You know, as parents, we take joy in that new life. But we live in a fallen world. And in our fallen world, it is possible for someone to take that joy from us. That's not a fun topic, but it's reality. But Jesus says, the joy that you have in seeing me again will never go away. It will never end. You will always have it. Why? Because he's eternal. Because he will never go away again. When we see him again, we will be with him forever. And our joy is found in him. But verse 23 goes on to say, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Think about what Jesus is saying. For the last three years, these men have walked with Jesus. They've depended on Jesus. If they needed something, if they needed to understand something, needed to learn something, or just needed something at all, they came to him. In the Jewish religion, they didn't really pray to God like we pray to God. If they were going to be in a right relationship with God, how did that happen? Anybody know? It's the whole Old Testament. <laughs> Sacrifices, right? They had to go through a sacrificial process. They had to go through a high priest. They had to go through this hierarchy, basically, to get to God, to have a right relationship with God, both individually and as a nation. And so they didn't really have direct access to God. But Jesus here is saying, when, when all of this is done, when, when what I have come to accomplish is accomplished, you won't ask me for anything. I will no longer be your priest. I will no longer be your go-between between the Father. You won't have to go to me. Instead, you'll go directly to the Father because of what I've done. Ever wonder why we pray in Jesus' name or in your name or however, however we, we got in the habit of doing that? It's because of this. Because now, because what Christ is going to do, that veil is going to be torn, and we now will have access directly to the Father through Jesus Christ. 
And he says, you won't have to ask anything to me, but instead, partially, he's going to be gone. <laughs> he won't be there for them to ask anyway. But because of what he's going to do, he is going to open the opportunity for man to be in a right relationship with God. And when we're in that right relationship with God, we have direct access to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 25 says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you will, that, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So he kind of clarifies it even more. He says, you're not going to ask me, and I'm not going to have to say, I'll ask the Father for you. Because that's what he's done before, right? What is he going to do in chapter 17 if you've read ahead? What is he doing? We call it the, his high priestly prayer, right? Because he has to, as the only righteous and perfect one, communicate to God for us. But he says there's coming a time that all this sorrow and all this pain and all these horrible things that are going to happen are going to happen for a purpose. And just like a, a woman who goes through labor to bring forth new life, I am going to go to the cross in order to bring forth new life for you. And that new life is that fresh and perfect relationship with the Father where you no longer have to go through me, but you can go to him because of me. He's saying, I am giving you life. Have we heard that before? Yeah. That's been, that's been in John a few times. So why do we have joy? Where's this joy come from? I came from the Father and I have come into the world and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and I have, and have believed that I came from God. See, God is doing what? He's accepting them based on what? Faith, right? He's giving them basically the gospel. He's saying you will be in a right relationship with God, not because you're special, but because you've believed in me. And the Father loves you because you have believed in me. And that relationship is built through Christ and what he is about to do. Verse 29, the disciples kind of act like they've figured out what he's saying. You know, he says, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. I'm like, okay, we're on the same page. I'm not going to throw up the meme. Um, you know, I, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Um, and Jesus, as he, as he often does, you know, I can just kind of see him standing there shaking his head. You know, thinking, you guys, you're not getting it. <laughs> I, I can just, I mean, it's, it's so commonplace in that relationship. I just kind of see it happening. And he says, he says to them, uh, you know, they, they said, now we know that you, you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. I mean, is that not kind of a broad statement? 
I mean, it's kind of like when, you, when your kids come home from church and you're like, so what did you learn at church today? Jesus, you know, or the Bible or God. You know, it's kind of a broad statement. They're, they're like, you know, now we know that you came from God and, and you are who you say you are. That's what I've been telling you for the last 18 chapters or 16 chapters, right? I've been telling you this all this time, and this, that's all you come up with, right? And, and Jesus says, you know, he, he, he obviously knows they're, they're not catching on to what he's saying. But he says in verse uh, 31, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Really? After all these things, you know, I've, I've sit here and I've told you about all the sorrow and the pain and the suffering and the things that you're about to go through because of me. And, and now you believe, now you believe me? Because I tell you that I've come from the Father and I'm going back to the Father. He says in verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. He says, do you really believe? Now, he knew that they did. I mean, he just said that they did, did he not? He just said, the Father loves you, why? Because you believe. But he also knew that that, that belief was fragile. <laughs> he knew what was going to happen in just a few hours when those soldiers are going to come into the garden. And those men are going to scatter. They're going to run and hide in fear as their master, as their Lord is taken. He knows that's going to happen. And he says, do you really believe? How much do you really believe? Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to be scattered. I've told you all these things to prepare you because I'm going away. But even though I'm preparing you, you're going to be scattered. You're going to fail. You're going to, in Peter's case, deny me. I know you believe, but do you believe? How much do you believe? He says, yet I am not alone. For the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Think about those words. I have said these things to you, why? So that in me you may have peace. But he's going away. <laughs> he just told them that he's going to be leaving, but how in him will they have peace? He's just told them that they're going to leave him alone, that he's going to be all alone except for the Father, that they're going to run away, they're going to be scared. He's just told them that. How, how is that going to be peace? And he gives them the answer. In me, you will have peace, even though, through, even though you go through this tribulation, even though you're going to be persecuted, even though you're going to be sorrowful and the world is going to be happy and joyful because of what's going to happen, even though many of you are going to give your lives for me. You can have peace in me. Why? In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. 
I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. It's easy for us, I think, especially in America, as we see political tides changing, as we see public opinion changing from what we at least believed it was before. Um, it's easy for us to kind of get discouraged. It's easy for us to, to, like Peter, take our eyes off of Christ and look at the trouble and the tribulation around us. I could have thrown in another promise. He promised tribulation. <laughs> but that's part of the first one. Jesus promised this stuff was going to happen. He promised that the world was going to hate them because he hated him. They hated him. We saw that in John 15. He promised that these things were going to happen, but he says, take heart. In all of this that is going to happen, you can have peace in me because you know that I have overcome the world. No matter what we go through, as we seek to live faithful Christian lives, as we seek to live that, that new life that Christ has redeemed us for, as we seek to, to obey what, what He's called us to obey back in John 14 and 15, as we seek to live out what it means to be followers of Christ, there's going to be trouble and there's going to be heartache and there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. But through all of that, we can go through it with peace and with joy. Because our peace and our joy are not found in the circumstances of this life. They are found in the Messiah. Because He has overcome the world. Century said, he says, I have overcome the world. It had already happened in his view. He's already won. He already had the victory. And he says, you can have peace and you can have joy in me if you're finding it in me. But the problem is we try to find those things in other things, don't we? We try to find joy in earthly things. We try to find peace in earthly things. When really true joy and true peace only comes through the one who has overcome everything. And that is through Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to be leaving you. And there's a brief period of time that I'm going to be gone. You're going to see me again. But I'm also going to be going back to the Father. And you won't see me. All the people that he's talking to won't, wouldn't see him again at all. Until they died. He says, you're not going to see me. I'm going back to the Father. But I have these promises for you. You're going to face tribulation. You're going to face trials. You're going to face death. But I'm sending the helper. And you can go through that with joy. And you can go through that with peace because I have already won. Father, we thank you that Christ has already won the victory. We thank you that even before the foundations of the world were created, that you already had a plan. 
that you already knew what man was going to do. You already knew how they would need to be redeemed. And as John 3.16 tells us, you loved us enough to follow through on that plan, to send Jesus Christ to come to earth and die for us. You sent him to give us new life so that we could have a right relationship and a right fellowship with you so that we could go directly to you as Hebrews says that we would be able to boldly come before the throne of grace, not because of anything that we have done or any righteousness that we have, but because of the righteousness of Christ, because of his payment for our debt on the cross. We thank you for that. Lord, help us as we go through our days to not seek to find our joy and our peace and our circumstances. Help us to understand that they only come through a right relationship with you. Help us to understand that you have already won. It is easy for us to get caught up in the day-to-day struggle and lose sight of the fact that you are already victorious. Help us to live with that understanding and with that reality and help us to do so in a way that glorifies you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.